Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege to deliver your word. And I ask that you would speak through what you've sown in my heart today and speak it into all the hearts here and bring us closer to you and transform our lives so that we could become more and more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really amazing what happened during worship this morning because what Steve said and Judy said and Mao and the worship team, the songs, it, it really just spoke into what I want to share about tonight. Tonight. <laughs> Today. It's, a, it's been a long weekend. Um, but uh, we've been talking about the one another's and each other's. Everyone remember that? You've, I've, oh, I forgot my PowerPoint. I do have a PowerPoint for you. Uh, remember these? They're out in the foyer if you didn't get one. All the different one another's and each other's. And there's over 70 references to one another or each other. Uh, and God's commanding his people lots of different, love one another, be devoted to one another, honour one another above yourselves, live in peace and harmony with one another, don't pass judgment on one another. Oh, there's a good one. Um, accept and care for one another. So just lots and lots of them. And they're repeated throughout the New Testament, spoken to the early church. Thank you. And, um, uh, and this is what we've been talking about. And as I was preparing the last week or so, I really felt to talk about the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is where the one another's happen or who the one another's are given to. And it's just like Steve was saying this morning about, about wanting to be with other Christians, wanting to be in a place where he could... They could minister and, and support one another. And, and so it's been really exciting to hear that because it just confirms what I want to share today around the body of Christ. And I read a scripture in Ephesians, and this is taken from the Amplified. And it's talking about in Him, in God. And then it says, And in fellowship with one another, you, talking about us, are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In Him, in God, and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The incredible thing is that Jesus didn't become human, come to earth, die on a cross and rise again on the third day, and this might shock some of you, but the reality is he didn't come just to give you a personal relationship with him. Stay with me on this. Yes, of course, we have that benefit. And, and we, but I, I feel like one of the failings of the modern church is we focus so much on our personal relationship with God. That, that Jesus came and you, you can now have a personal relationship which is great, but our relationship means nothing. Our relationship with God means nothing if it's just us and God. That God is really clear that he brings us all together to be a part of his family or his body. Now there's a scripture in Hebrews 2 verses 10 and 11 which explains it like this. God for whom and through whom everything was made, 
chose to bring many children to glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. So the obvious thing is Jesus brings us into our salvation, brings us into our relationship with God. But then it says, so now Jesus and the ones, plural, not just the one, the ones he makes holy, have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Another translation is not afraid to call them his family. And so this is really important for us to understand because we, God wants to, us to remember that he invites us not just into a relationship with him personally, but he re- invites us into his family. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. But I, I really believe we will never experience the fullness of who God is alone. We will only experience the fullness of who God is within his body which is the church. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But I just want to give you some scriptures just to support this. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part a special function, so it is with Christ's body. What's Christ's body? The church. We are all parts of his one body and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, what's it say? We belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. Each of us needs all the others. Now when I'm talking about the body of Christ and the church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm not even talking about this service that we're having here right now. This is one expression, the local body in this area, but what I want us to understand that this is the church. This is the universal church. This is the body of Christ. This is Christians everywhere. Okay, this is, this is what it's talking about. So it's not just, don't get caught up in just what we do here. It's about us as the body of Christ, Christians all over the world. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ. That's what God wants us to do. And who is the head of his body, the church? Under his direction, does it say under whose direction? Whose direction? Jesus, God, yes. Not Pastor Ben's direction, understood? Not the Pope's direction? not the Archbishop of Canterbury or anyone else, but under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. How good is that? This is what God has called us into. When when we become saved, we're not only saved to God we are saved into his family into his body the church and 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 this is what he uses like that implies at the end of that verse that it implies that as part of the body that's when we become healthy and strong and growing and and more and more like Christ Ephesians 
1 verse 5 you probably can't see it all the way down there but I'll read it for you it says his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ and this gave him great pleasure God's plan was not just to adopt you alone his plan was to adopt as many as he could and all of those that he adopts are our brothers and sisters they're our family and we can't do this without them and we can't do this alone I want to share, share one last scripture with you and, and I encourage you even as you ponder on this and reflect on this during the week to, to think about reading 1 Corinthians 12. It's, a, it's the passage about the body of Christ and it's powerful. If you want to know how the church should function then this is the scripture that lays it all out really clearly and I'm going to read it from the Message Bible because I just like the way it, it speaks and the way it flows. It just makes it more real. For modern language so 1 Corinthians 12 verse 24 to 27 the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church so if you want to know how the church should operate don't go find a book on how should the church operate don't go don't go and ask your pastor how should the church operate but actually go to the Bible and or no go to your own body and look at it and say the way my body operates is the way the church should operate so what does it tell us every part dependent on every other part that's challenging the parts we mention and the parts we don't the parts we see and the parts we don't if one part hurts every other part is involved in the hurt has anyone ever had a broken little toe as little as it seems and as significant it affects your whole life doesn't it it's just like it's the worst thing ever or not really but but it's pretty bad and so everyone is involved in the hurt and in the healing and if one part flourishes every part enters into the exuberance into the joy of that thing you are Christ's body that's who you are it's like Paul wants us to understand you're not just Ben Carboni Ben you are part of something much bigger than yourself you must never forget this only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything? Isn't that right? These passages that I've just gone through show us really clearly that God wants us to experience all his goodness and all of who he is in the context of being a member of his body, the church. Being a part of his family. And being a part of his body reveals to us some really key uh, factors on how we should live life. And, and key principles on how we should look at life. And so I'm going to share some of these with you today so to help us understand how do we do this? How do we live as the body of Christ? Now remember, I'm not just talking. Now this is a beautiful expression of the body of Christ, but it's only a part of the expression. So this, what I want to share with you is not just what happens here, but happens right across this city, 
these suburbs. So when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about not just our relationship with each other here. I'm talking about our relationship with Port Life Church down the road or Lefevre uh, Uniting Church down the road or uh, Lefevre Christian Family Centre, which, whichever it is. Yeah, th- this is what I'm talking about, the relationship we have together and how we can support and, and live as the body of Christ together. Does that make sense? So the first thing we need to understand, and I probably harped on about this, but in our relationship with God together, it reveals that we need one another. So as the body of Christ, this picture of the body of Christ reveals to us that we need one another. In other words, as I've said, it can't be done by one alone. You belong to something bigger than yourself. You need to understand that when you come into a relationship with God, you're invited into his family. I had a really fun time last night. Um, I I met uh, a young man who is dating my daughter. Uh, I met his parents last night, (laughs) which is pretty exciting. But I won't go into that too much. My daughter will get mad at me. But meeting them helped me understand her boyfriend a bit better. It's like, now I know why he is such a good guy. Because he has really good parents. Uh, and the, the truth was, when I was dating Julie, I thought I knew her pretty well. Uh, I, knew, I thought, we're dating, it's great. I, I, I know Julie pretty well. But then came that incredible day when I met her mum and dad. And uh, I'd known them because they were in the same church, but I didn't really know them. But when I sat at their table for dinner and we shared a meal together, all of a sudden I understood even more about Julie, the way she was and who she is. And this is the thing, that God invites us into the, his family so that with each other we might discover more of who God is by how God is working in our lives individually. Does that make sense? This is why we're told that we're called to belong not just to believe. It's great to believe in God and that will give you salvation, but God doesn't want you to just believe in him. He wants you to belong in his family. That's why Ephesians 1.5 showed us that it gives God great pleasure to adopt us into his family. The second thing we need to know and that our relationship with, to, with God together reveals to us is that we need to respect one another that passage i read earlier that every part has a function that another part can't do so you not only belong but you have something to contribute if you read 1 corinthians 12 it talks about us being members of christ's body now this idea of members c.s lewis tells us that membership is a christian term that before Christianity happened, before the church was established, they didn't talk about members of things. You either belonged to the, the country of Israel and you were a Jew or a Roman, but there was not like you were a member of something. It was only the church that brought in this concept of membership because they, and they took it from this idea of being the body of Christ and that each member was, was an important part of a body. Now, membership in the modern times has sort of been diluted, isn't that right? You can be a member of uh, McDonald's, VIP member, 
You can be um, like you can be a member of all sorts of things. Um, I'm not a member of anything other than Jesus, but my wife, she's a member of everything. Like you open her purse and she's got a coffee club membership. She's got this membership. She's 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 out to get everything she can. And uh, but the reality is that's that's nice idea, but it's not what membership really represents. See, membership, according to the Bible, is this idea where, where each part of the body, like each part of our body, is indispensable, is interconnected. And, and every part, like we've read, if one part hurts, every part hurts. If we, one part celebrates, it all celebrates. Yeah, and and we, we understand that, that the body is a living organism. This church and the church universal is not a business or an organization it is an organism it's alive and and part of being alive is that every part is necessary we know and and i i don't want to um make anyone feel uncomfortable about this but if if you are missing a part of your body it, it's your body is not full it doesn't mean your life can't be full but you there are certain things you can't do like if i was to lose a leg then I would have to have a prosthesis and, and I would probably walk with a limp or so forth. And so my b- body is not functioning to its full potential. And, but it, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy life, but it means that something's missing. And the fact is in the body of Christ, every one of us here who has a relationship with God is a part of this body and has a part to play. You have something to contribute. You have something to give. Now, the, I'm not going to do a push for more volunteers or anything like that here that's not what this is about what I want you to understand is you have a role to play you something unique that only you can give God has given you that role now you might oh yeah that makes me feel really good but before you get too self-important I want to share with you a bit more from 1 Corinthians 12 to explain this a bit further because it might give you some context on your role to play and how it fits in with everyone else. I'm reading it from the message again. It says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. So being a part of God's body makes you significant, gives you significance. It doesn't downplay who you are. And our body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Isn't that good? If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. How many times have I heard people talk to me and say, I'm not as good as so-and-so. I, I don't fit in here because they're all different from me. We don't realize that we have something unique to contribute, that only we can contribute. The, the trap of comparison is, is a terrible thing. And then it says, um, would, the, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? Here's a question. What would you prefer? 
to be blind or deaf? It's like a crazy question, but but the reality is you want both like in, in the best possible scenario, or you need both. If the body was all eye, how would it hear? If all ear, how would it smell? I didn't even mention the nose, but it went there. <laughs> but uh, as it is, we see that God has carefully placed... Now, again, what's it say? We see here that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. God has planted you right where he wants you. He he has gifted you with certain gifts. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, as, as we heard. And so he has made you a certain way because you have something to contribute. You have something to give. But then he goes on to say, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. We see that a lot in the church as well. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. Anyone seen Monsters, Inc.? Mike Mike Wachowski or whatever? Is it one big eye? That's a monster. It's not a body. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. This is a, a, a manifesto or the philosophy on how we should operate together. That yes, we all have a significant role to play, but no one's role is more significant than anyone else's. Just because I'm the pastor and that I stand up here and preach, it doesn't make me any more important than anyone else in this body. I couldn't do what I God has gifted me to do without you. And I can never think of myself more important as anyone else because we're all in this together. And, and this is so important. The last thing, and that brings us to the next thing. The next thing our relationship with God together reveals is we need to rely on one another. That means if one part suffers, we all suffer. And interdependence is the key to a healthy body. The reality is that your role, your part to play, only has meaning when you're connected to the body. Now, I want you to understand that I'm not just talking about your role here in this church, right here in this local body. Like, you know, I'm the pastor of this church, but my role in the body of Christ is not just to be pastor of the Port Church. My role is to... to be a pastor wherever I go and whatever I do because that's the gift God has given me. You see, in the modern church or in the church in general, we've gotten caught up in titles and gotten so uh, in love with titles that we forget what they actually represent. That's why I say to people, you don't have to call me Pastor Ben. Just call me Ben because that's who I am. I fulfill a role as a pastor because that's what God has gifted me in. But I'm a pastor everywhere I go. 
whatever I do. I'm a pastor to this community because uh, that's, that's what God has gifted me to do. And each one of you, like Jack leads worship up here, but his title is not worship leader. Really, he's, God's gifted him to be an encourager and, and someone with a prophetic voice to speak into the life of the church. But that's just the gift God he's given. And, and I, I would hope that he would be that wherever he goes. And, and today we have Kathy helping out in hospitality and Lou and, and others, and they're helping here and ministering. But they're not ushers or, or stewards or whatever you want to call it. They are people that are gifted with hospitality. And that they make people feel welcome and, and loved and cared for. And I hope they would do that in every sphere of their life. Not just because they have a title in the church. Does that make sense? We've got Damien here, the chairman of our board. Woo, big title. Woo. But what, what is that represent? It's not about the title. It's about the fact that he is an amazing leader and organiser. And, and God has gifted him that. That's the role. And so, but Damien does that wherever he goes. Like he'll organize and lead you if you want to be led or organized. <laughs> he's, he's happy to do that. But that's the reality of who he is. Like in his workplace and what he's doing, that's the gift God's given him. And it's God's given it to him to bless not just this local body, but the wider body as well. But the world and the, ch- like, the world we live in. Does that make sense? This is, this is really important because I want to l- look a little bit about the inter-church stuff because this really became apparent to me recently because we've started a, a, a local church's prayer meeting once a month. It's the first time we've ever done it. Um, uh, and it's quite amazing. We've been doing it through winter. We meet on... Um, the semif- at the semaphore time ball up on the hill and um, eight o'clock on a Friday morning the first Friday of every month you're all welcome to join us if you want and we open it to churches and um, and at the moment it's church leaders and so forth that are doing it but um, we get together and, and it's been freezing over winter but we get there and we pray and we're praying and the incredible thing uh, and is that we're all so different. So at the moment, there's the Salvos are, are with us. There's us and, and Semaphore Uniting are there. And we occasionally have a visit from a, a, one or two other churches around the place. But we just get together and pray for half an hour. And, you know, what it's shown me is that even though we're all so different, we can all learn so much from each other. And at the same time, it also reminds me that I'm part of something bigger than myself and not to get too far ahead of myself and think, oh, my church is bigger than your church, so maybe I should have a more prominent role here. No, we're all equal. It's not about the size of your church that makes you so important. That's not what it's about. It's about we're in this together. We're, we need to rely on each other. So if that church down the road, like at the moment the Salvos are just trying to get a presence back in this area and it's hard work for them. So if we can come alongside and support and help them, if that's going to help the kingdom of God get established greater on the Lefevre Peninsula, then I want to be a part of that. Not to tell them how they should do it, 
but to support them and come alongside and be with them. And, and that just stops us thinking, oh, we're so good and we have so much. No, we've been blessed, but only blessed to be a blessing to others. And, and this is what the church and how the church should, should operate. I just want to encourage you that, as, as Steve talked about today, it's so vitally important for us to be connected to other Christians. And it doesn't mean just in this local body, I mean across the sphere of Christianity, the body of Christ. That you, you and I need to be connecting with other Christians. And other Christians, like Christians come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And there's a lot of them that you might not even necessarily agree with everything they do, but they have something to add to the conversation. And we need to understand that. Because if you're not connected to the body of Christ, and I'm not just talking about this church, but Christians, you will struggle in your relationship with God. That's the reality of it. That's what the Bible teaches, the body. If my finger became disconnected from my body, it would struggle to survive. And if you are not connected to the body, whether it's this church or Christians somewhere, you struggle to survive. I, I, I read a quote from Andy Stanley this couple of weeks ago. I heard him preach it, actually. And he said this statement, content consumption is no substitute for community. Think about that for a moment. Content consumption, watching lots of YouTube videos or sermons, um, listening to lots of podcasts, is no substitute for community. Now, I understand in some situations people have reasons why they can't get to a local body and to the church and, and to be with other Christians. And so they have to use the internet to help them do that. And that's understandable. But for the majority of us, you can't live your Christianity out through the internet. It's not going to bode well for you. You need to be connected to one another. If, the, if COVID and the pandemic has taught us anything, is the importance of our relationships with one another. That, that they are the, the glue that can hold us together and to keep us going. In, um, in the chapter 1 Corinthians 12, that it ends with, with a statement. The last verse of that chapter ends saying, First, however, let me tell you about something else that is even better than any of them. So what, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, you'll read about the body of Christ that we've read, but you'll also read about the gifts that God gives us. And he goes, lists them all there, like gifts like pastor and apostle and, um, and other gifts like encourager and prof prophesying and, and hospitality and um, all these different gifts that God gives the church to help it grow strong and build it up. And, and there, there's a gift of mercy and all these things. And he lists the gifts of the Spirit as well. Like, and all of these things, healing and all this stuff. But in the very last verse, he says, makes this statement. First, however, let me tell you about something else that is even better than any of them. And if you know 
1 Corinthians 12 is followed by 1 Corinthians 13. Surprising, isn't it? Yes. And what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? This is the, ver- the chapter that says, If I could speak in any language in heaven and on earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or clanging sing- cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy uh, and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, I know a few people that think that, um, but didn't love others, what good would I be? And if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. And if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. You see, the reason God, I fully believe, the reason God placed us in his body, placed us in this community called his body together, was that so we could learn how to practice love. Where we could learn to love one another like he loves us. And as we do that, the exciting thing is as we learn to love, it's not about the prophecies, it's not about the tongues, it's not about the faith, like gifts of faith, and and it's not about showing great mercy and all those things. It's all about love. And later in the chapter, we read and God defines that love for us. Love is patient. Love is kind. We know that passage very well. Love is long-suffering. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Is that right? All these things. And the thing, the, the, the true fact that I'm coming to understand more and more is that when we practice that kind of love, God's kind of love. We've talked about it here a lot, agape love. When we put that into practice, let me say this, anything is possible. Anything is possible. When we practice this kind of love, there, there is no room in the body of Christ for this thing that we learned about last week from Duncan at the women's, women's meeting, and it's going to go up on podcast soon, but this thing called othering. For those who weren't there, and it's so prevalent in our society today, this idea of us and them. And social media only makes it worse. But if someone is different from us, we go into defensive mode and we we go into protection mode and we we say, oh, they're different from me, so I don't want to be a part of them. And and this happens in our world over and over again. Oh, they're from a different country. They move into your neighborhood and they... Or they wear funny clothes and their food smells weird. I don't know about them. And stay away from them. Like I'll just stay, stay on my side of the fence and let them do their thing. And if they try to come over, I'll just tell them, no, you're not welcome here. Go back where you've come from or something like that. Is that that's, that's, that's the spirit of othering. And it happens across our world. It, it doesn't matter whether it's in a schoolyard or someone's a bit different. And, and they're othered, they're, they're, they're not included in, in the group. It, it happens 
uh, in all sorts of ways. It happens from, like, and, and social media perpetuates this problem because whether you're right wing or left wing or, or, and your political views and, and we, like, oh, I'm not going to mix with that person, they're that sort of person or, or you know, sexual orientation or whatever it is that, that we, we say they're different so I don't want to be a part of them. So we other them, we, we, we put them on the outer from us. And uh, I'll say this, that Christians unfortunately have been very good at making things Christian and non-Christian. And in the process, the problem is that we are othering. That we're putting people outside of our sphere or our circle. And that's not the Jesus I read about in the Bible. You see, often as Christians we see anyone who is not in our group as either a sinner or as someone who needs saving. And as true as that might be, the fact is there is a greater truth that says, there go I but for the grace of God. There is a greater truth that says, love one another as I have loved you. There's a greater truth that says, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greater truths. These are the things that I believe followers of Jesus are called to live out in their lives. Uh, this is what, when, when God calls us to the one another's and each other's, to love each other as I have loved you, I don't believe he is only talking about what happens here in the church. I believe we're to do that wherever we go. Because as Christians, we understand that every person is created in the image of God. Isn't that right? That means every person has value and worth. They might not understand it yet. They might not even see it yet. And that might be what causes some of the stuff they're doing. But our job is not to determine that. Our job is to love them as Christ loved us. It's that kind of attitude, that kind of heart. This love that God is calling us to that will change our world. I've got another quote for you from Andy Stanley. and He says, Transformation always happens in community. Think about it for a moment. Think about your life. If I was to do a poll here and you, th you think about a life-changing moment, a, a, a transformative moment of your life, I can guarantee that other people were involved, that other people were a part of it. Even if, if it was just a praying mother or a praying grandmother, someone was involved in your transformative moment. Isn't that right? And this is the reality, is that God calls us into communities to transform our lives. God's plan has always been to use community, in other words, the church, and the church driven by his love, to transform people's lives. That was always and is always God's plan. That God would, has created this community, the church, to be driven by his love. What, for what purpose? To transform the world around them. It's what happened in the early church and I believe it's what we're still called to today. The challenge for us, church, right now and here today, is will we be a part of, 
of his plan. Will we take up the challenge to love like he loves, to love one another like he loved us, but also to love the world we live in like he loved us? Let's pray. I just want you to take a moment to reflect upon your own life in a moment of quiet and where you're, you're at with your one another and each other's. Maybe there's been some othering in your life where God wants you to know today that the solution to your othering is one anothering. As simple as that might sound, is to actually... Love others like God loves you. That's the solution. So if you've fallen for that trap, can I encourage you today to pray and say, God, help me not to other, but help me to one another. And I'm just going to pray, and I'd invite you to pray with me and invite God to help us be his church, his body, where each of us has a role to play in loving others as he loves us. Lord God, I thank you for this body that I see in front of me today. And, and I, I love being a part of it. It's such a blessing to me. But I also know that, Lord, we need to be reminded of what we're called to. And where your commandment to us is to love each other as I have loved you. That was the commandment you gave to us. And I pray, God, that you would help us do it. Help us to, to be inclusive rather than exclusive. Lord God, help us to invite others into our lives. Maybe some of them are people that we wouldn't feel comfortable with, but you call us to love our neighbour as ourself. God, help us to do that. Help us to remember that there go I, but for the grace of God. Lord, that's our prayer today. Make us more like you, Jesus. Make us willing to love those who others don't love. Make us willing to reach out to those who would be defined as tax collectors in our community. Those who would be defined as sinners and, and those who would be outcasts like lepers. Help us reach them, God, with your love. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.